Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Good morning, y'all. Morning, Nia. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, hi, Bill. Hi. Um, it, so, uh, listeners, this is our part of our, our second part of our two-part episode about visiting two folders, visiting a, a presidential library. Um, and we have Bill Newman, who's been to nine, count them, nine presidential libraries. Uh, he has not yet been to Obama because that hasn't been built yet. He hasn't yet been to Trump because that's still in the imagining stages. Um, so I'm going to ask you about those libraries and about like sort of the, the physical part of the library. But I want to jump in with something that you mentioned last episode, which is you got a one o'clock pull and a three o'clock pull. So I'd like to ask you, so you walk into the library, there you are, you're your handsome, brilliant self, and you walk in and you say, I am here to do all the research. And they say, okay, what's the process from that moment? Okay, so generally, if you're gonna do this, you should start the process long before you get there. Okay. So you need to do some research. And every library has, and uh, most of these are now online, they have finding aids, which will tell you what's there in various categories of holdings. Uh, and I, uh, for instance, I'm always doing work on national security affairs. So the libraries have a whole section called national security files. And within the national security files, there are agency files for State Department, Defense Department, Homeland Security, whatever agency, and then meetings files for specific series of meetings, which may be the National Security Council or subcommittees of the National Security Council. Uh, name files for people, uh, things called cron files, which are chronological holdings of a certain office. So you got all that stuff, and you look in the finding aids, it'll tell you the names of all the folders, so you have an understanding of what's, what's there. And then, so if you're looking for something, uh, in particular, if you're looking in the cron file, and you're looking to do research on something that happened, you know, between November and December of 1972, you're going to find like six folders for November to December 1972. And you say, okay, I want those. <laughs> and I also want uh, the names of the people who worked in the offices that had something to do with it. So I want those. And so you go through all those finding aids and then you'll get a, a good list of things. Uh, alternately, if you're not sure how to do any of that, you say to, you contact the library and say to the archivist, hey, I want to do research on this. What would I do? And then they do a search of all the finding aids and then they'll print out something that'll say, here are the 70 you know, different boxes and the 300 different folders inside those boxes where you'll find information about the thing that you're interested in. Bill, when you say folders, are you talking Manila office folders? Yes. Uh, except archival quality. Um, archival quality. So they're and, slightly more expensive than your average Manila folder. I will. I will just point out to you because, <laughs> as a as a in special collections. Okay, so sorry. As a brief uh, library aside here, paper is. Um, deteriorates really quickly, relatively speaking, especially modern paper because of the level of acid in it and, the, and other things involved. Um, different than when we had vellum, which lasts forever because it's animal skin um, or other things like that. And so paper has to be protected. You have to put it inside folders that will, um, that don't uh, bleed onto the paper in any sort of way, chemicals that would cause the deterioration of the paper. And so in some instances with special collections, you have to touch things with gloves or you can't touch things at all. You actually have to use um, instruments where you can turn a page with a little metal thing that allows you to touch the paper without getting your fingers on it. Um, that's true, especially of illuminated manuscripts and things like that. Not really many illuminated manuscripts, I would think, in the presidential libraries. Nothing illuminating. Yeah. <laughs> 
so um so not so much a danger there but there are various techniques of that kind of thing but the folders are are slightly expensive sort of so you they do visually look a lot like what the folders like a manila envelope but they're a different quality oh. And, and they're most most of them are legal size, so they they're in. Boxes, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Very hard, sturdy boxes, and then legal size, uh, just because there's so much stuff in there, and you don't want anything leaking over the edge and getting bent. So you got plenty of extra space in those. Uh, but anyway, you go ahead, and uh, you can have the archivist do it. Now I always do it myself because if this the information is online i've just found it's easier for me to do it and then also have the archivist do it as well and then see you know if i just in case i'm missing anything so uh, then i'll make an appointment and say hey I'm, I'm coming in is it okay you know to come in you know these three days or this week and the answer is yeah of course you know we've got lots of space and when you show up in the morning uh, you actually have to go through basically a tutorial on how presidential libraries work. At and each one? At each one, every time. Okay. And uh, as soon as your library card, uh, which uh, works for a year, you get actually a presidential library library card. And I've got a stack full of library cards. <laughs> but you get that after you run through the tutorial. And then it expires after a year. And after a year, if you go back to the library, you have to do the whole tutorial again. It's the same tutorial in every library. It's just, here's what you can and here's what you cannot do in a presidential library because we're trying to preserve all these records. Right. And like with with the special collections at VCU or with any special, what you call a special collection or an archived collection of special materials, you have to be trained in how to use that thing because um, you're not the only one who's ever gonna wanna look at that memo, right? So you mm -hmm. need to make sure that it's preserved for future scholars. That's, okay. So. Now, in the VCU libraries, there's a locker in which you push your, you put your bag mm -hmm. and then you wash your hands before you're allowed to go into the reading room. And then sometimes they give you documents that aren't particularly special and you don't have to have gloves. You just can read the documents the way they are. And sometimes you have to take specialized, like there's further specialized things that have to be done. Are you allowed to carry things into the library with you? Like here, I think we allow, I'm pretty sure we allow you to bring in a piece of paper and a pencil, but you have to show them mm -hmm. to the archivist so that they know what you're bringing in. And then you have to show them what you're leaving with mm -hmm. so that they know that you're leaving with the same thing you came in with. Yeah. Is there a similar process there? Exactly. You walk in uh, and in uh, some of them have more, I'm not sure if security is the right way. Some of them are, are more particular than, than others. So for instance, I'll come in and I'll have my, my list of, of folders and boxes, right? So I'll say, you know, this is, these are the the 20 boxes, and then within each box, these are the you know, dozen or so folders that I want to look in. So I'll have my printout, and I just refer to it as my cheat sheet for the library, so I know what I'm looking for, so I know uh, what to ask for when I go in. And then I'll have that in, a, in an actual manila envelope, and I'll bring that in, and I'll say, okay, I can bring that in. I can bring pencils if I want, though they provide pencils, so usually they say, you know, don't don't bring your own pencils, but no pens, you know, no backpack, no, no jackets or anything like that. Uh, and in some of the libraries, what they'll do is they'll go through all the paperwork that I bring in and they'll stamp it as accepted and with a timestamp on it so that they can check to see if it's different when I'm leaving. Ah, okay. I'm not walking away with anything are you allowed to bring in a computer? Uh, you can bring in a computer, uh, uh, cameras. So I've used cameras, but now actually uh, when I got uh, got rid of my flip phone, I actually <laughs> do most of this stuff and I just take pictures of the documents on my phone. So I don't actually read the documents when I'm there. I'll go in and I'll crank out about you know, pictures of 700 pages worth of documents in a day. And at the end of the day, I'll load them on my computer at home uh, or at, at the hotel. And then at the end of the trip, you know, that's when I'll sit down and, or when I'm starting to write, I'll sit down and I'll go through, you know, several thousand 
documents from a specific library to say, okay, you know, what do I have and, and what's, what's useful? And we have a cradle scanner at VCU. Do the, the libraries have scanners where you could scan material if you wanted a high, sort of a high resolution copy of something? You know, I, I don't know, but I think with most of that stuff, they'd rather you just uh, not put that on anything. Uh, you know, take okay. a picture. Uh, they do have, uh, uh, in the Carter administration early on, I, I wanted to copy a lot of material, but they did the copying of the material because they've got to take the staple out if there's a staple in there in order to right. copy it because they don't want anything folded. So they take care of it. So it's just easier to just take pictures of everything. But when you take pictures, you have to be really careful uh, because a lot of the material, it says classified on it or top secret you know, for the right. stuff that I'm working on. So what they do is they give you a little slip of paper and it, it was a you know, slip of paper that they laminate and it's probably like an inch tall and maybe like five inches wide that says, you know, this material declassified under, and it says the specific law was declassified <laughs> under, and it says, you know, Nixon presidential or Johnson presidential library. And you're supposed to put that on every copy and put that somewhere on the page when you take a picture so that no one will say, Hey, that's classified. You know, where'd you get that from? Yeah. Because if you went, if you went to go ahead and put that in a book, right? Mm -hmm. Then you got all kinds of legal issues. Without that notification, you got some serious legal issues. If, you know, in a book, okay, you have, you know, photo images of classified material, right? And also, if the NSA sweeps your records on your phone, and all they see is classified, 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 classified in your pictures, Bill yeah. Newman, criminal. Exactly. That's that they're going to be Bill, like. Bill Newman, enemy of the state. Exactly. Uh, so Spy. Here's a story that relates to that. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. So I was told uh, this story by uh, one of the archivists at the Nixon Library. Because he <laughs> handed me the little slip, the card, and said, okay, you know, make sure you put this on your, all your documents because here's what can happen. So and a couple researchers uh, who were from, I guess they were from Israel. And they'd come to the library and they forgot to put the little pictures on. So they're flying out of the United States and they've got this bag filled with you know, <laughs> thousands of pieces of, <laughs> of paper that oh all my, my secret. Oh <laughs> man. That they had copied from the Nixon library because they're doing research on Nixon. Perfectly innocent, but they got stopped and people opened it up and said, okay, what is this? And they got arrested. And they had to call up, you know, eventually the FBI calling up the Nixon archives and they said, oh yeah, they were here for three days. This is, you know, stuff that's all declassified, nothing to worry about. Uh, but uh, they were not really happy for the hours that they were held. <laughs> well, and I'm assuming that sometimes the libraries close, in which case there wouldn't be a person to answer that for 24 to 48 hours. Do the libraries close by any chance on Mondays, the way museums often close? No, they're open, um, except Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, Okay. the, the normal things. And, and most of them are closed right now. Uh, since the pandemic, they've just closed them all down. Yeah, a lot of public libraries are closed for a variety okay. of reasons. So let's get so, back to the but, let's get back to the process, Bill. So you go there with your cheat sheet of boxes and files that you want, right? And you sit down in the reading room. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you talked about a one o'clock pull and a three o'clock pull. What, do, so what does pull mean? So let's say you get to the library, you know, bright and early, you know, what nine a.m. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, you give them this list, right? How long do you have to uh, 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 cool your heels before all of a sudden these boxes, potentially full of files, get put in front of you? Uh, usually it's about 45 minutes for them to go find everything and make sure it's all there, uh, plus all the other things that they're doing at the same time, because the, uh, the the work that they do for 
for someone who's actually sitting there when they go get the boxes, they're doing a zillion other things at the time, which is why they say, you know, we'll pull materials on the hour. So if I finish with one set of boxes at 1215, I'll go and fill out my next set of pull slips for everything that I want. And I'll put it uh, in, usually there's a box, uh, sort of an inbox, you put it in the inbox and at one o'clock, somebody's gonna come around and pull everything out of there and then start finding everything and they'll bring it in in a, in a cart. Uh, uh, well, you know, a typical library cart, which will have uh, most libraries uh, 18 boxes at a time is what you can have because that's how many fit on one cart. Okay. That's it. So, so if it, so you can't tell them ahead, I want these boxes. They wait until you're there to pull the materials. Some will do it. I'll say I'm coming in and I'll be there at 9 a.m. on, on Monday and some, some of the archivists, and it, it could be because I've been to, been to them several times, the archivist will simply say, hey, you know, send me your first, first pull. Okay. And I'll do it Friday afternoon. So that when you get there, there's a cart with your name on it already. And so, and they actually do, there's a cart with your name on it. So if I'm working until uh, the library closes at 4.30 or five, and I'm halfway through my cart, but I'm coming in the next morning, they'll simply say, you know, okay, you know, we're closing. So we'll just take your cart. And uh, tomorrow morning, you know, when you get here, we'll roll it out, put it next to your desk. Okay. So is there anybody in the room sort of keeping an eye on people not being shifty with the stuff in the boxes? Oh yeah. And actually it's, they're really careful. First of all, there's closed circuit TV, like okay. lots of cameras in the room to make sure uh, when you sit, everybody has to sit so that the archivist at the front of the room can see what's on your table. So you can't sit with your back to the archivist, which would be- Also, oh, this is like, you know, in a classroom uh, uh, during an exam uh, to make sure that students aren't cheating. Right, right. Okay. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And you can have one box off the cart at any one time. If you take a second box off, they're gonna come over and say, stop. And if you keep doing it, they're gonna say, leave. Um, so one box and one folder out of the box at any one time. Okay. So a card, a very big, long laminated card that you stick in the space so that you know to put the folder back in the right space. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then when you put the folder down, you can only have one document out facing you at any one time. You can't pull a document out and put it to the side and look at another document. And they're very careful. And, they, and I've seen them come over and, and, and uh, sort of uh, admonish people who do it the wrong way. But what you're supposed to do is pick up one page and take it and fold it over nicely onto the next page when you're finished with it. You don't grab it by the corners. You have to be very careful with it. And you don't flip through things like it's a, like it's a book and you're looking through or, the end of the page. Or a magazine, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you open it up slowly and then you fold each one at the same time. Even if you wanna to go to the end, you're doing one page by, by page to make sure that nothing gets caught, torn. Uh, okay, so you're turning pages like you're in a book, but very slowly and methodically. Right. Okay, and, and you can take as many pictures on your phone as you want. Like you could take a picture of each single page or multiple pictures of a page if you really wanted to there's no there's nothing stopping you from that is are you allowed to use flash photography uh you can't use a flash okay there are other people in the room and documents actually can be harmed by well. flash right yeah same thing as paintings for i mean why you can't do that in a museum so when you're hanging out in there are there like 50 scholars hanging out in there? Are there like five scholars hanging out in there? Does it depend on the library? Does it depend on, I mean, what is your general, and I know you don't keep a census of how many people, but I'm just like wondering your just sort of general anecdotal memory. Um, I would bet that in these libraries, you couldn't fit more than 15. Oh, okay. People doing research. You know, that's depending on the size. Eisenhower is a little bit bigger. Uh, reading room than some of the others. Uh, 
but I think that's about all you could fit in there. But I've never been in any of them where there have been more than five people. Oh, okay. In the room. And that's at the, the LBJ library. And one of the cool things about the uh, LBJ library is it's the reason why you get more people is that because it's on the campus, the University of Texas, uh, if you're, uh, you know, I teach a foreign policy class. If I, if I was a foreign policy teacher, they tell you, he said, part of your assignment is to do research in the library. Yay. And, and the students come <laughs> up to the presidential library, you know, which is the next building over from the public policy school, the LBJ School of Public Policy. And they'll just come up and say, you know, hi, I'm in this class and I'm supposed to, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm looking for this. And the archivist just goes ahead and, and helps them out. Uh, and it's a, it's a really great learning experience for them because they just sit there and say, I am now here sitting and looking at this document uh, you know, with, with a handwritten note on it, you know, from Lyndon Johnson, you know, right there and, you know, it circles something and says more. <laughs> and you can look at that and go, that's, wow, there it is. It, it, a form of archaeology in, mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways, um, which an, any good archaeologist will tell you, there's a whole lot of dirt and not a whole lot of pottery, <laughs> right? Like, there's a lot of things that you look through that aren't related to the thing that you want because there's hardly ever a note, I assume, on the top of your folders that says, dear Bill, this is the needle in your haystack. Enjoy, right? Like XOXO, the archivist, right? Like that's not really how that, how that works. But I'm fascinated by the idea that I think that people don't realize how much material we're talking about here. You're talking about, I assume, thousands and thousands and thousands of boxes, because everywhere a president goes, like your earlier example of my grandfather met President Johnson, and I know there's a picture, they get their pictures taken thousands of times a day at various events, and all of that is is White House, all that White House photography is owned by the people, I assume it falls under the same kind of category mm -hmm. as what you're talking about. So there's files and there's photographs. Are there other uh, ephemera in the libraries? Yes, there's all kinds of stuff. They do have uh, things related to the campaign as well. And I don't do research on the campaign, but that's got to be fun stuff to look through. You know, all, all, <laughs> all of that that extra stuff but even in the national security stuff you, you you find things that you don't realize that that people do so you know i'm looking through national security files of uh, alfred jenkins who was an nsc staffer on china in, in the johnson administration and and you know, all the memos he was sending to the national security advisor uh, mcgeorge bundy and then walt rostow just amazing analyses of what's going on in china you know, and reading these and saying, these are just incredible, just how brilliant he was and how much information we actually had about what was going on in China, much more than, for instance, the general public knew that we had, you know, all this stuff. But at the same time, you're looking at these great memos, and then there'll be a memo that says, uh, you know, so-and-so from the Asian American uh, you know, Coffee Association of Greater Los Angeles area uh, has a question about China uh, and wants someone from the administration to give him a call and we should respond to him. You know, can you answer this correspondent or can you give him a call, right? And, and the subtext in it, which of course is not mentioned is that this person has contributed to the president's campaign. Uh, yeah. point. Yes. Someone from the administration is gonna reach out and respond to them. And then they're gonna say, wow, I just spoke to someone from the NSC staff and told him my opinion on China. And he said, oh, thank you very much. And then there's a memo, you know, that says, here's the memo of the conversation. Here, let me write another check to the presidential campaign. Yeah. Because I got constituency services at the highest possible level. Okay. That's yeah. an interesting thing to look at. Like, that'd be a really cool thing to study is sort of the leveraging of that, of government and donation. Uh, but that's a separate question. And, um, and, sorry, I get all interested in research questions and then I forget we're actually talking about uh, something entirely different, which is sort of what else is there. Yeah, the other avenue about that, I just want to uh, 
and one more thing about that is, is that it's actually useful for the NSC staffers because they're talking to someone who actually has influence on public opinion. So they find out, you know, what, what, what do people, what is the average person, you know, in greater Los Angeles who, you know, makes coffee in this association think of our policy toward China? Well, I mean, and, and, and again, that's part of pluralism, right? Yeah. I mean, say what you want about interest groups. But if you're a presidential administration, and it doesn't matter if it's domestic policy or you know U.S. foreign policy, um, interest groups are going to go ahead and give you an idea of how their members think of your policy work that affects their members, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, you know, uh, this is one of the values of interest groups. I mean, we often you know criticize them for their outsized okay, uh, influence in American politics. But, you know, if you're a presidential administration and you want to know what they think about, for instance, you know, our policy towards, you know, Canada, right? Okay, there are probably interest groups that will go ahead and say, hey, if you give us a half hour, okay, with some of the White House staff, we will tell you, right? We will tell you. And yeah. a, a sort of form of targeted polling, I guess. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like that's a very targeted group of people that you would not be able to find in a regular poll. In, in, yeah, huh, that's an yeah. interesting I didn't even that's a really cool thing. I didn't even think about that. So. So you get to basically keep a, a cart going for as long as the number of days that you're that you're going to be there. And then I assume if you don't finish, you just say, please put those back. I'll be back in a month for another long weekend visit or whatever. Um, right, yeah, if whatever I don't finish, um, you know, they say, okay, your, your time here is done, okay, everything disappears. And of course, because I, 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 I'm the way I am, I have a record of every box I've ever pulled out and what day I've pulled it out and, you know, and all these records. So I'll know, you know three years from now, you know, there was a box that had a bunch of things in it that weren't there. And I've done mandatory declassification requests, and I'm going to pull that box again and see what happened. Ah, and that also helps you know if uh, if things go missing, mm -hmm. which is a good check and balance. Although I assume they also check the folder when they get it back to make sure that everything, oh yeah, that they said was in it was in it. But, but it also allows you to say if something went missing, I can tell you what day it was there. Like it helps track. I don't know. There's like a really cool way that libraries interact with high with high users. What we call mm -hmm. our our um, well, we call them friends, right? Friends of the library, not meaning friends of the people who join, but friends meaning people who use the library on a on a a really regular basis, a lot of times they notice things that librarians don't notice because there's such volume. They can say, I, I can't count the number of high, uh, high user patrons who've come up to me with a book that's starting to come apart in the binding that we would not have noticed, but they come up and say, hey, can you, can you guys take a look at this? Maybe we need to buy a new copy because it's something that they use frequently, right? So that's kind of a cool relationship that gets built over multiple years just like with you going to a regular to a library regularly and them saying we trust that you're going to do it give me your list and we'll pull your first like we trust you're going to show up because if you had said you were going to show up and you flake right and you're not consistent then they're going to be like yeah we'll just pull that when you get here you know what i mean like because they don't want to have those boxes sitting out if they don't have to is the chance of a cart falling and the nightmare scenario cart falls over and file boxes fall over and then you have to try to figure out what's supposed to be in each file and if you think that doesn't happen in libraries let me help you understand carts fall over all the time i have had in my career i've worked in libraries close to 30 years i i've probably turned over seven or eight carts like they you just turn a corner too fast or a wheel gets stuck and the next thing you know everything that was in order isn't and it's all over the floor and all over you and you just have to pick it up and keep going after hours cart races right oh yes all you guys hanging out and 
in the mornings yeah. before okay. we open at Cabell. It's happened a couple of times. <laughs> I won't say who was involved, <laughs> but it's happened a couple of times. Um, so, so we also shout when you guys aren't around and the library's closed because we don't shout during the day. And so there's a lot of first yeah, thing would, in the morning. You admonish us if we get too loud. But yeah, know, but, yeah first thing you, in the morning, man, there's some serious yelling up and down the stairs and all kinds of stuff that goes on. But Bill, you, you mentioned the uh, museums. And, and I would be remiss um uh if i didn't ask you uh on the record publicly have you ever when you've gone to museums perhaps uh had museums send uh information to colleagues and friends okay <laughs> um like calendars or catalogs of things that we might want to purchase from these museums without letting your colleagues and friends know that you've done this? This sounds like a trap question. <laughs> you know, I have to say that I don't think I have, but I guess I must have. <laughs> if you're asking the question. <laughs> Pointedly. <laughs> I don't know. The reason why I ask is um, uh, in the year subsequent to you visiting the Reagan Library, a few of your colleagues for easily three years afterwards, began to receive catalogs from the Reagan Museum, <laughs> advertising various gifts that we could perhaps purchase from the museum gift shop. Wow. Yes. I, we, somehow, I we somehow got on a mailing list bill, okay. Like a surface mail list? As in, okay, once a year, I would receive a nice glossy catalog, okay, from the Reagan Museum gift shop of, of gifts that I perhaps might want to purchase for myself okay. and others. That, okay, so actually, in my defense, that couldn't be me because I don't know your address. <laughs> it, was, address. it was sent, it was sent to the department now. Oh, okay, I don't yes. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember, I don't remember doing that, but that uh, sounds like something I might do, so. <laughs> uh, wow, um, okay. Okay. I, I seriously have no recollection. <laughs> you've, been, like, you've been in an archive, you're reading you know, old material with small print for three or four days. Who knows what you might sign up for? <laughs> On, on the other hand, uh, Nia and listeners, I will say this. Uh, Bill, in his various travels to presidential libraries, has been extremely generous with his uh, colleagues in bringing back stuff that he thought that we might enjoy. So in my office, uh, in the political science department, I actually have a baseball, uh, because as Bill and as many of you well know, I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, and on the baseball, <laughs> Is a is the face of Richard Nixon. <laughs> I also have a yo-yo, okay, from uh, was it the Nixon Library? Okay, I think I have a yo-yo from the Nixon Library. Okay, um, but nevertheless, um, so there's uh, a gift shop involved in these. Yes. Oh in these institutions. Oh, I come oh, back with goodies, yeah. Uh, okay. And, and, and according to the catalog of the Reagan Museum, okay, <laughs> some high-end gifts, you know, like gifts that might cost like, you know, five, $500, a thousand, et cetera, right? Okay, um, so you, is that part of the, all right. That's uh, the museum. So, yeah. right, that's the museum and the museums can be a money-making concern because they are not federally funded. The libraries are not a money-making concern. Right. So that's why it doesn't cost you anything to go into the library part, yes. but why it might cost you something to go into the museum part because the museums are privately funded and, and are not 501c3 the way a library is. Is mm -hmm. that accurate? Uh, right. So the the museum and the library uh, 
they're usually in the same same building, but right. generally separate entrances. Okay. For for a lot of them, it depends on the on the library. If you do do archive research, though, you can get in the museum for free. Okay. So you know you're a researcher. You got the little researcher badge around your neck, and they say you know go ahead and do whatever you want. And the researchers, you see the 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 geeky researchers at the end of the day are walking around. They can barely see. Our eyes are barely <laughs> open, or they're just swollen. And you're walking through the gift shop, going, oh, I can't even remember what president I'm studying. And you're just <laughs> like, oh, this is, looks good, and that looks good, and and, uh, and I always walk away with a big package of stuff. <laughs> so that's smart on their part here read some of this now go over here and spend some money on things you can't really see so i want to ask you um and i know there may not be an in-depth answer to this but we have neglected the first ladies in this discussion um first ladies are not elected i assume that there are no rules about their papers or their materials as far as being within law since they are not elected officials, but are there papers gathered that uh, we know of? As far as I can tell, I checked on this uh, when you would ask me about it before. And as far as I can tell those papers uh, for the first lady's office, because that's a taxpayer funded office. Right, oh, right. it's one of the 4,864 presidential office right. of the president, okay. So those things are there. At the okay. library as well, as far as I can tell. And uh, now I've never done research on them, but if, if you want to do research on first ladies and the things that they do, because each first lady um, and eventually first gentleman will will pick you know, a thing. You know, here's my here's my policy end of it, you know, and whatever you might want to uh, consider the policy importance of it. It's something that's that's the the first lady's job essentially it promotes these ideas that the administration decides should be promoted, but that the president is not going to have in his portfolio. She's going to get her portfolio. And that's, that's policy. And that's uh, funded by, by the taxpayers. So that's, that's all stuff that's collected. And uh, I, I don't know if the rules for that are any different, but it seems like if it's taxpayer funded, it's going to be the same. Okay. Yeah. And this one actually, as an aside, uh, Speaking of first ladies, I was at Pat Nixon's 100th birthday party. <gasps> how did you manage that? Yeah, how did you get the invite for that, Bill? Uh, I wasn't, well, I was invited by one of the archivists. So I was doing research at, at the Nixon Library when they were having the Pat Nixon Centennial and they were having this big birthday party for her 100th birthday party. And they had, a lot of people were there. We archivists, we were not, the researchers were not allowed to mix with these people. But at some point later in the day, the crowd kind of thinned out and there was a ton of food left. And the archivist <laughs> walked in and said, hey, there's cookies, come on. And like threw us all out of the room and we all went down and <laughs> cookies and things and we sat and we ate them in the, in the break room uh, where the lockers are. And we had cookies and cake and things like that. And then we went back to research. Oh, so you didn't actually get to meet her? Oh, she she had been dead for oh for years. Oh, they were just having a party. Okay, any reason for a party? I'm just gonna say. Yep. I can't I can't disagree with that. Uh, yeah. Um, so that that's one of these strange things that you can put on your resume. Here I was. Uh, <laughs> Bill, but, I hate to put you on the spot. Of the presidential library staffs. Which ones, if you had to pick, which one was uh, the uh, uh, the easiest to work with? Aside from Nia, who's your favorite librarian? I said presidential library staffs. <laughs> okay, okay, present company excluded. Thank okay. you. <laughs> uh, actually, I found uh, all of them. All of them were great. I've never had any problems anywhere with any library at all. They're all uh, as interested in the materials that I'm researching as, as I am. Uh, so for instance, when I put the mandatory declassification request in and I say, I'd like to write up you know, a thousand MDRs, their attitude is good. You know, yeah. We want this stuff declassified. Yes. When somebody's got to ask sense. for it, 
because it's been a few years since somebody asked for it. So they're like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and so they're excited because you know, they work there. And when stuff gets declassified, they can go ahead. What? Wow. You know, well done. Cool. Yes. So uh, LBJ Library is the one I've been to the most. And so that's the one that I single out. And some of the other archivists have actually said that, yeah, that's the one that's the most organized, the best run. They are very in, in, serious in. about transparency and pushing everything out there. And I've had great experiences with them. In fact, I had uh, the private papers of Robert Comer, who was an NSC staffer. Uh, they had been just uh, gifted to the library. And I had been talking to the archivist about things and uh, the archivist said, you want to see these papers. I'm, I'm going through them and preparing them right now. And what I'll do is when I finish the boxes, I'll bring them out to you. Wow. So, and, and she said, and you're the first person to ever see these, you know, first researcher. And so, you know, I'd be sitting there and I've got all these other boxes and she'll walk out with this box and say, you know, Comer number two, and I'll take the box I'm working with and put it back on the cart and then I'll get this brand new box. And like literally the dude must stand there and open it and go, ooh. <laughs> That's like Christmas for, you know, for a nerd, right? Yeah. Okay. It, it is. Like I was going to say, nerd, this is, right? this is a nerd holiday. Um, <laughs> That's right. It's such a, it's such a, and well, but you know, speaking as a person on the other side, I don't think that people have any idea how interesting their research is to me. Like th they, when they start talking about it and they they light up and they're saying, and I found this and I'm looking at this and this is really interesting. I go, oh, that is really interesting. Now I want to know, right? Like it's a, it's a wonderful feeling when somebody, it's one of the reasons I love consultations with students. They always, always look at something in a different way than I do because we've had different life experiences. Mm -hmm. So they bring something to the table and I go, why didn't you think of that? And so then I have to dig yeah, in. It's on a that. shared experience, right? It's, I mean, it's a shared learning experience. Um, right. Um, and, 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 and when you can go ahead and do that and be part of that, you're just like, okay, now this is cool. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you know, I hate to use the, the, the time worn expression, but learning can be fun. Right. Yeah. And, and it can be fun when you're going on that journey with somebody who's just like, woohoo. Right. Okay. Yeah. I got a brand new box of Comer stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you that, me? Right. His excitement fed her excitement. She went back and worked on another box. Like it's a yeah. whole thing that makes you feel like we're in this together and it's really cool. And somebody else appreciates this thing that I appreciate, which is also nice. Um, I, I just love it when we get a good researcher, somebody who's just digging in. It's great. So my last question for you, and I know that it is sort of fraught politically, so I'm not asking you to state political whatever. I'm just asking you, do you think there will be a Trump library? Because a lot of Trump's communications were not in what we would call physical form right they were they were ephemeral in the sense of they were twitter or they were facebook so do you think that there'll be a presidential library and if you do where do you think that it'll be uh well certainly there's going to be a museum right right well yeah Imagine, that's kind of a given like donald trump not wanting to build a monument to himself and a gift shop and a gift shop yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, he, he, like, seriously, but I mean that from the sense of he's an entrepreneur, like a gift shop right. makes more sense for him than any other president, really. It'll be the only one that sells steaks and tires, though. Well, <laughs> uh, well, all the, his presidential materials would have to be somewhere. So if he declines to, to or if his foundation says, we're not gonna build the library, then they'll wind up with the National Archives. You know, so that's where it'll be. So you'll be able to go there. And, and I don't know if the archives is planning on having, um, because Obama's doing that too. I don't know if they're planning on having you know, a, a specific wing or a specific section of the National Archives that'll be now you know, for presidents. Or what, what, I, what I fear is that what they're gonna do is they're gonna say, all this stuff is gonna be electronic. And what you're gonna do is there'll be a kiosk you know, or you'll sit down and dial in 
you know, or you know, plug into the archive and then you'll be able to search material, which I think is a much worse way of doing research because you can only find the things that you're looking for. And you don't find the things that you don't know you want and you won't sort of stumble on. So I, I like, you put the boxes there and I'm looking at China policy and I'm doing day by day for five years, everything that runs through China policy. You know, and, and that to me is how you really learn what's going on. If, and if you have to, you know, if your entire access to the material is based on a keyword. Right, if you get the wrong keywords. keyword, right, then yeah, you're not gonna find it. I mean, for instance, I just thought uh, a, uh, an example, when I was looking through, uh, uh, through Johnson's stuff in particular, they referred to the Republic of China, right, Taiwan, uh, whenever they were dealing with that government, they referred to it as GRC. And you would never know that government of the Republic of China. Oh. You would never know that unless you knew it before. So you'd never find that as a keyword in all those yeah. documents. Oh, yeah, no, I... Or uh, Chiang Kai-shek, who was Generalissimo Chiang Kai-shek, they, they, nobody wanted to type out Generalissimo or even knew how to spell it, right? So in all the documents, he's just G-I-M-O. He's the GIMO. <laughs> right? That's it. If you didn't know that, right, you'd never find all these documents say, why is no one talking about Chiang Kai-shek? And you might stumble on, who's this GIMO guy? But if you're going through the documents, after about three documents, you go, oh, that's what GIMO means. And then you'd go- And they, they do that instead of putting his name in there. Uh, so you yeah, would, if you searched his name, that document wouldn't come up because GIMO is written there, GIMO, 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 right. GIMO, GIMO. I see. Yeah. And so the difficulty with, so a lesson for, um, listeners might be that while electronic research is fabulous, it is by its nature not complete. Mm -hmm. That yeah. that if you really want to research this kind of thing, that you need to be with the physical documents. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, well, we'll just make that all online and then everybody will be able to find it, except that you won't because you don't know right exactly what you said. You don't know yeah. what you're looking for. So you, there are things you will never discover unless you happen to read across them in something else. What would be great if the, they could put it online in a format in which you say, all right, I am now looking at, you know, here's box seven. Right. right. And, and you I'm, can... I'm now, I click on the folder and then I get what looks like an actual folder and then I go page by page and then I still get the chronology of it. I still get you know the 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 day by day of what's happening in the office and all the things that I stumble on that I don't know I want. Right. Yeah. Also the avenues to find things that you have to uh, find sort of through uh, like real life investigation in which uh, I'll just give an example. I was trying to find out who was in a meeting of the Gilpatrick Committee, which was a committee that was set up to consider nuclear proliferation, the possibility of a Chinese nuclear test in fall of 1964. And I wanted to know who was in the room when they met. And all the documents about the meetings and all the minutes, it didn't give me information about who was in the room. I found out who was in the room by going to a different file um, on the NSC staffer on China and looking at his file and seeing what requests he sent to the front gate of the White House for who was allowed to enter the grounds that morning. Yep, yeah. Ah. And then I found all the participants. And, and, and that's detective work, right? Yeah. You know, that, that's not just you know, typing in a, a, a keyword um, and doing a search on an online database, right? Right. You know, that, that's truly detective work. Well, it's, it's breadcrumbs. Research is breadcrumbs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because, you know, you're like, okay, who else would have to know who's at the meeting? Well, mm -hmm. if the meeting's at the White House, okay, you know who would have to know? The front gate of the White House, right? Because right. they don't let it, just anybody into, into the White House, right? <laughs> right. Or the lunch order. Yeah, right. <laughs> or the lunch order. Like seriously, if you if you ordered sandwiches for everybody 
and you count the number of sandwiches, right, then you have a pretty good idea of the number of people in the room that you're looking for, right? Like the, this cross things like that. Yeah. And I suppose there's no way that you could really do that electronically. Yeah. Um, oh, that's fascinating. Well, thank you so much, Bill. This has been wonderful. Um, I now want to go to all the presidential libraries. You should. I should be, I should take a summer and just do that, drive around the country. Actually, I could drive to Texas and knock out what, three or four of them to start with? Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's the, they call it the presidential corridor. It's actually on some of the highways down there. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, think about it, right? You got Bush 41, Bush 43 and LBJ. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're driving from Virginia, um uh on your way uh you can go through georgia okay and knock off carter um swing by arkansas and knock off clinton okay and, and uh, then, in jackson you pass uh if you're driving uh i guess that's route is it 40 state 40 tennessee you'll go past jackson and then clinton yeah and, and bush and then you make a left and you go to LBJ and then you make another left and you'd circle around to H.W. Uh, Bush. Well, there yeah. you go, Nia. So there, there's my next summer trip. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, what, 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 summer, maybe next summer. And so you said right now people won't, can't get into most of them because they're closed because of the pandemic, yeah. but they, they are likely to reopen once we either reach herd immunity or enough vaccinations or the numbers drop low enough. Um, mm -hmm. So people could start here in Stanton and go there and just to see what is what one is like, which would be really cool. And, and the Wilsons is pretty cool. I actually have a uh, in the basement. They have basically a uh, a live action, a uh, recreation of World War One trenches. Whoa. Where actually you Whoa. walk through and you're in the trench and at eye level above you, you'll see battle scenes and things. It's, that's cool and dark. Yeah. Well, yeah really? That's the, that's the first one I'm going to. Start, <laughs> start there. Okay. Thank you so much, Bill, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Thanks. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.